This is 680 CJOB. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Main Ingredient. Kevin Bergen here. Today I have the pleasure of talking to a gentleman I've been stalking on Instagram for a couple months. He doesn't even know it. Chef Stephen Watson, who is the chef instructor at Commonwealth College at 294 William Avenue, is here to talk about a special pop-up dinner he has coming up. Stephen, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Welcome to The Main Ingredient, finally. Thank you. Yeah. It's weird to meet someone in person yeah, after yeah. you've been seeing pictures of them like, all over the place. <laughs> hey, it's fine. Um, <laughs> Okay, so you know what? Let's start off by talking a little bit about your your background and how you got into the culinary industry. Yeah, well, uh, um, my background just in in terms of the culinary industry itself, I've done some, uh, you know, uh, worked in a few places at 529 Wellington and uh, Who's on First when I was around and oh, uh, yeah. Restogare and Fairmont and Lake Louise. So I've been around with the uh, all intention of, of learning more and being able to go into education so uh, and teach people some things. So, um, and then uh, for myself, uh, uh, with, uh, I got some First Nations in me. It's my grandmother. She's uh, Indi- indigenous from uh, Pegasus First Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, was kind of always something that was a little bit not hidden in the family, but just forgotten. Um, it was just we just lived the Western lifestyle and whatnot. So the past few years, I've been kind of trying to get back into that a little bit and, and honor that a bit because it was just lost, right? So yeah, that's what I'm hoping to do here. Growing up, did you were, were you were you introduced to a culinary industry? Were your parents did your parents cook? Did you was that something that you knew that you always wanted to get into? No. Nope. <laughs> uh, it was basically, nope. I remember it was, uh, uh, totally had no idea what I was going to do. And then a guidance counselor in, uh, in high school, we're going through some stuff and I saw that and it kind of piqued my interest and I'm like, Hey, what's that about? And I looked more into it and I think I was 15 or 16 at the time. And it was something that I realized that, Hey, that, that could be pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. um, so I wanted to get into it and then I got my first job at Green Gates, uh, 20, yeah, man, 20 years ago. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, my, my parents, uh, good cooks, but they have very simple, uh, dishes. They only do, you know, a handful and that kind of thing growing up. And so there was never any, you know, you hear about all these kids growing up in this uh, massive, uh, you know, Polish food every day or Italian. Yeah, or all these recipes yeah. and they learned and exactly. they stayed in the kitchen. Yeah. It wasn't like that. Yeah, so my mom had like four things that we love and that's all <laughs> she really did. My dad did a few too. And that was pretty much it. Um, and you guys then, were not uh, demanding kids. No, no, no. It was, <laughs> it was, I was fine with, uh, all those things. So, uh, but then, yeah, just getting into it and my brother became a chef too. So it's kind of funny that cause people ask us, oh, you must've grew up with food. And my mom's joke is always, she, uh, had no idea how to cook. So we had to learn how to That's cook. Funny. So yeah. Did he get in first? Who got in first? I did. He's, uh, he's a few years younger than me. So yeah. he's, uh, he's in Houston now actually at a Moxie's. So, oh wow. Yeah, he's doing all right. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Okay. So how does... How how did it lead to you becoming a chef instructor at the school? Yeah, it was always the goal uh, for various reasons. One is the 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 hours are absolutely ridiculous in the culinary industry mm-hmm. uh, to become a chef, and I did those. I did my time uh, for about fifteen years or so. Yeah, and it's a tough it was, lifestyle. Yeah, it is. So, um, and so that's part of it. And I wanted to you know um, um, have kids and whatnot and do things and and then uh, with. Um, uh, education was always important to me, both in, in learning things, but also showing other people things. Um, so that was always the, the idea is that if I can learn as much as I can, and then also teach people how to do things or, uh, pass that on. And that's, uh, that was always the goal. So, um, so, so you got into it. That was your intention from the start? Pretty much not right from the start, but right. after a while, and then it was after, you know, thinking about it and being taught by, uh, by some fantastic, uh, uh, chefs in the past. And it was like, I, I kind of want to do that. I want to teach other people those things right so then that's why i kind of was able to move around or that's why i moved around so 
That's why I did the, you know, the steakhouse thing and the Asian thing and then the hotel and, uh. Just kind of learning it all. Yeah. Yeah. And so just kind of picking it up and learning various things. So that's what I wanted to do. And then, so I could do those things and pass those on. Almost every culture is known for cuisine and, and some more popular than others, right? So we're talking yeah. Italian, like, like we spoke on Instagram, uh, Italian, Chinese, Japanese, French, mm-hmm. you know, there's always a time where you're going out with friends and, hey, let's go out for this. Let's yeah, yeah. go out for that. And there's, there's certain cultures where, where that's almost non-existent. Yeah. But you know they have their food. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, you said increasingly that uh, there's kind of an interest, a bigger interest at the school for Indigenous food. Yeah, um, for various uh, reasons, but uh, that's a big one, yeah. What do you think the reasons are for people? All of a sudden, it's, it's becoming more interesting to more people. I think uh, a big one is that there, there's um, – uh, one big one is the Truth and Reconciliation Act um, becoming um, this this – animal on its own which is fantastic and and how it's going and that's actually a relative of mine he's a great uncle i believe uh, murray sinclair um that's my related to my grandmother also a sinclair but yep. uh so that was was i think that's a big part of it and then this movement of the missing and murdered indigenous women uh and then just the 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 spirituality of all and people and basically indigenous people being allowed to be more uh, uh, indigenous than right. they used to be. Yeah. Um, and that was a big part with, like I said, with my grandmother's that, um, she raised her kids very, uh, Western. There was really no indigenous teachings or, um, lifestyle in that. And very few people had that. And it was the whole residential school thing. And she was taken away and she went to residential school and, um, she became very, uh, European. Yeah. 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 So you're saying that even, even amongst indigenous people, it's not like you're cooking your own food. You're almost like, you know, accustomed to the Western world and, yeah, and exactly. everything that comes along with that, right? Yeah. And even uh, I tell people and they say, what is indigenous food? They always go to Bannock and Bannock's one of the most European foods is it, is it <laughs> out there. Uh, the flour, the baking powder, the sugar, the salt, everything about it. Um, it's actually a Scottish thing. Um, so, so that's the, those basically every ingredient in Bannock is what we ban in our uh, research and development because that was just was not here. Um, and with, like you mentioned, the other cultures, they've, they have a food culture mm-hmm. because they were allowed to develop a food culture. Mm-hmm. Um, indigenous were not here anyway. Um, you go to Mexico, great indigenous, uh, food and scene really? allowed to develop throughout. Yeah. Yep. I've, I found, learned that in Minneapolis, actually. Yep. Uh, somebody's telling me about how they, they're one of the best in the world at, at treating, at, uh, keeping their indigenous, uh, identity. Um, whereas is here is very hidden and other places very hidden. Um, so when you go there, there it, there's food from the land of the land by the people who were indigenous to the land. So, um, and in various other places in, in, uh, central and South America. So, uh, here, not at all. There was nothing. It's very much a, uh, um, lost and it was gone. So we're trying to, we call our menu 1491, our development in our menu 1491, just to kind of go back to the, you know, pre 1492 European colonization. Yep. Um, and it was a, uh, so our goal is not to only make foods the way they did and what they made, but what they, what we could have reasonably procured here 500 years ago, um, uh, with knowledge of the current culture and food culture here in, in Canada. Um, and just like the French, the Italians, the Spanish, they're all allowed to develop that, right? So they, with their culture and their food culture and then the foods they're able to get, um, we have Spanish food, we have Italian food and it's all great, uh, but we have no indigenous food here in Canada. So we're trying to just take that to the next step. What would happen if I went back 500 years ago? What would I do? Um, and so it's a, uh, it's a fun time because it's 
just trying to get that back. So recognizing, you know, what, what could sell today, what could, what would be peak the interest today. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be necessarily a dried piece of meat over on a stick over fire. Um, <laughs> Why not, or, man? Why not? <laughs> or dried fish in the sun, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and to a point there is, but, uh, so it's things like we can still use bison, we can still use berries, we can still use, uh, you know, the, the herbs and the, uh, certain other aromatics here and different things. So, um, that's what we try to do, uh, to make it good for, for, for what people would want now. Um, not just, oh, that's good for indigenous 1491. It's just good. And it's right. also, uh, ingredients from the region. I don't even want to use the terms Manitoba or treaties or whatever, cause that didn't exist then. Right. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. um, so basically, uh, within the region is what I like to say, not even Turtle Island. Cause that's quite big. We couldn't necessarily get to, uh, you know, the, the Southern end and where Texas is and that kind of stuff 500 years ago, but we could get to, uh, you know, the closer to Saskatchewan, we could get to the Lake Manitoba, Lake Winnipeg, that kind of stuff. Right. So that's what we try to do. Oh, crazy. Super interesting. Yeah, yeah. One question that I wanted to ask you is making dishes that mean, you know, that obviously can translate into today's day and age. Yeah. And, and there's a gap here. Yeah. Obviously other cultures have had X amount of hundreds of years yeah. to have their cuisine evolve. And now yeah. you're almost like you're picking up from a past time, but trying to evolve it. Imagine what would have happened in the right. past 500 years. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. How is that going to work for you? Um, it, it's, uh, it's tricky at times. There's a few real challenges, um, but it, it's, and who knows if we're right or not, if it would have gone this way or it would have gone completely different. We can't say for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. But based on, on what people like now, what is interesting now, not just trendy or anything like that, but what is, what people really enjoy now, um, using ideas and, and, uh, techniques as much as we can from back then. Um, a lot of people will do that. I mean, even, you know, uh, barbecue right now, huge. Uh, I love it myself and it's very ancient technique. It's over wood, it's fire, it's smoke. Um, but it's something we love now. So we try to do some smoking and some fire as much as we can and that kind of thing. But, uh, um, so I think we, we can take those into uh, account while also like, uh, some, some modern techniques like, uh, using aromas, um, like one very modern technique is to, uh, uh, light things on fire or to use, uh, scented air and whatnot as part of the dish, even mm-hmm. though you're not ingesting it, mm-hmm. um, just to add an aroma without adding a, uh, something that you're actually eating. So, uh, uh some people burn bo- oak leaves during their course or whatever, right? That kind of thing. So what we do is things like uh, burning sage. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of going back to, you know, the, the smudgings and whatnot and, and the spiritual side. Uh, a bit of the emotional side and tying that into food. So when you're eating it or it's coming out and you're smelling it, you're taken back to something that's not necessarily food related. And that's very, um, it's modern huge. today. Yeah. yeah. It's a huge house. Smell yeah. just takes you back exactly. to exactly a point where you mm. smelled it before. Right? Yeah. And I love that. And it's, it, it, it's amazing too. Cause every time we do it, something new, even, uh, Noel Bernier, the organizer of Ishka Day here is we were doing that and he's like, oh, that's a smudging. And I was like, yes, exactly. <laughs> so even though it's food, it's still. So it ties into something else, right? right? Um, so that's what we, so that's something that's a very modern idea of what's going on. So while also being tied to the ancient and the old of the smudgings and whatnot. So, um, that's what we try to do. So, and one of the challenges is not to offend people either, right? Right. You don't necessarily want to do smudgings on your food if that's something that's uh, taboo or, or, um, wrong in, in some way, right? There's other things too we try to do, um, and sometimes some people say no, <laughs> uh, but, uh, and so we talk to elders and things. <laughs> I like um, it. That's hey, I'm thinking of doing this. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's like, no, that's um, not okay. a good idea. Yeah. So, uh, one was we did a type of bread and we did the Métis symbol, the, that the, the infinity symbol. And, uh, 
one guy said, no, you don't want to do that for this group because it's not Métis, it's First Nations. So those things. Oh, there must be a lot of research, a lot of education going into that before you can really proceed in a lot of ways, right? And so we got to talk to a lot of people and figure some things out. And so that's what we do. Wow. How did this come across your plate? Um, Pardon the pun. The the whole, well, the indigenous development um, came from um, a challenge we were tasked with by a guy named Byron Beardy. Uh, for Arrows Regional Health Authority, and he wanted to do a food sovereignty summit, so food sovereignty and security. Um, and he, w- our uh, college, we we uh, we train a lot of uh, Indigenous people um, in in our course, and so he knew us through that um, because we've taken some of his. Sorry to interrupt you when yeah. when you're in in the course that you're that they're being trained yeah. is Indigenous uh, uh, cuisine part of that? Uh, yeah, it is a, a part. It's uh, the whole overall course is uh, is is basically to train a person to work uh, in a kitchen here in Canada. Right. Period. So the basics, but also get some styles and some ideas and different techniques and whatnot. Um, and indigenous is a part of that. Not the whole thing, uh, but it is a part of it. Um, just like you know, maybe a bit more than sushi would be or whatever. But right. uh, but it is a part of it. And uh, so a lot of our students are indigenous, and uh, so that's how we knew this Byron. Beardy and uh, he asked us what we can do and we we're looking into it and that's where Bannock came up and I was like that's but that's not right Bannock is a uh, one of the issues with the you know diabetes and heart disease and things in in uh, indigenous uh, culture and if we're talking about uh, food sovereignty and security the you know the the high carb high pro the high fats the sugars that's something we need to try to avoid mm-hmm. and so what is it and we're looking into it and what can we do um, so and uh, started out simple. Um, with what we could do was things like smoking, uh, uh, white fish, um, you know, with wild rice and that kind of stuff. And then we were able to develop from that, try to tie in mostly just the ancient. And then we realized, but we could do better. We can bring that forward and Hey, we, we lost the indigenous food culture development. What, what can we do to start that up again? What can we do to make food that's just good while also being indigenous? Right. So, gotcha. yeah, and that's where it came from. So we started that. It was about three years ago. And we've done uh, 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 quite a few events of this nature. And then that's uh, where Ishkade is coming in now too. So it could be a good time. Okay. So let's talk about that event. Yeah. Let's talk about Ishkade. Yeah. Right. It was a, uh, I woke up a week ago, week and a half ago, uh, to two emails, one from Byron Beardy and one from our uh, director at the school, uh, Wayne, um, and saying, hey, what is this? What's going on here? And I said, I don't know. So I uh, checked into it and I sent in. Email. Like he sent you information about it? Yeah. He sent me the uh, links from Facebook. Okay. Uh, and both of them did. Um, so I checked it out and I called uh, Noel and he told me what was going on. I said, I'd like to be a part of it. And we met and it was, he's uh, clearly very passionate about it, um, as am I. So I had no idea that, you know, owner of Hermanos is there doing this indigenous food. I had no idea. Right. Yep. Um, so it's, it's really cool. And we have some, uh, uh, great chefs with us, uh, Melissa Brownie Urban and, uh, uh, Glenna Henderson, I believe is Henderson. I'm pretty sure it is, but, uh, so, um, You'll hear about it if it's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're from, uh, you know, they have some some experience on reserve. They have different experience than I do. So I'm the, uh, I was the third one in and my background is is solid, uh, uh, mostly just, just culinary. I'm not from the reserve. I, I was never raised indigenous or native, so um, what they were. So we have a very diverse group, even though we're all using indigenous food. So it's yep. kind of cool. That is cool. Um, Two questions. Yeah. First of all, how do people get tickets? And maybe a couple of, can you mention a couple of items that are going to be on the menu? Yep. Um, Ishkade.ca um, is one way. There's links on Facebook also. How do you spell that? Uh, Ishkade. So I-S-H-K-O-D-E. Um, 
Yeah, so there's both ways uh, on the website or on the Facebook. There's a link there as well. So, and if you really want to, you can just call Noel at Hermanos, and I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll hook you up if you really want to do it that way. Um, and then uh, the dishes themselves, um, uh, we're still. Uh, I don't want to speak for uh, Melissa and Glenna too too much. I know they have uh, ideas of soup, and there's a wild rice popcorn that Glenna does that was really cool, and um, uh, working on you know things like uh, the the indigenous tacos and trying to get figure that one out as well so that's kind of cool but for my part uh anyway one dish um we do that's quite popular is a bison uh we cook it um for about eight hours uh with uh, bison stock um berries uh wild onion um uh tobacco and burnt sage and then the burnt sage is both in the stock while it's cooking and then we also uh, light it on fire and that's the that aromatic uh, uh, element I was talking yeah. about before. So you yep. smell it before, kind of like the fajitas on your, on the way to the table. Same idea. It's a smoking leaf on top of the bison, right? So it's awesome. Um, so that's one we do. And then, uh, another one with, uh, like smoked white fish with a duck fat fried, uh, wild rice, uh, cake, uh, and cranberry onion jam. So we do try to hit those elements, right? That's very, um, uh, uh, modern is to, d- to get those flavors, the, the, the sweet and the sour and the umami and the salty and then balance it all really well. And not just here's a, a piece of fish, right? So, um, uh, so we we, we want to get hit all those points while also making something really good. So, and the we we get the duck fat fried wild rice. I don't know. We took a while for me to think of that one. I don't know why, because I was looking at you know different fats and we tried the you know using the bison fat whatever and duck fat. I'm like yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, let's use that for everything. So now it's our fat of choice. Uh, so we do a bread with it as well and that kind of thing. But uh, those two we're looking at, and then uh, one we developed is a wild rice pudding because rice pudding is huge in the uh, uh, on reserves and whatnot. But it's, I love it's, rice pudding. Yeah, yeah, me too. And it's usually it's it's uh, white rice and evaporated milk and uh, sugar and maybe raisins and cinnamon that kind so of stuff. So rich, yeah, right? Yeah, but none of that we could use. Yeah. Um, uh, so what we did was wild rice. Um, we can't use dairy, so how do we figure that out? And wild rice itself is not starchy at all, whereas rice like risotto is creamy because of the starch. Right. And there's very little starch and wild rice so how do we do that so we took a while but we developed with uh hominy so it's a like a dried corn and uh duck fat so we kind of made a, a roux almost with that that made it creamy and thick and luxurious um while also not using dairy or uh sugar and that kind of stuff so how did you take it to come up with that uh that one took a little while because wild rice is uh is is tricky <laughs> to do to get into that luxurious creaminess right yep. um that's the wild part yeah, of it. Exactly. So that took a little while to think about and develop. And then it took about 10 batches of the, the, the hominy with the duck fat and, uh, and how to get that going. So it's not, we don't want it to taste savory either. We don't want it to taste like duck. Um, but we do want, you know, butter is also not sweet. So we can, you know, as long as it's along those lines and dairy and whatnot. Um, and then uh, some uh, maple and uh, blueberries and hazelnuts. And it turns out really, really well. Wow. So that's uh, one thing we're looking into as well. So. Could be fun. All oh, that sounds so terrible. I can't believe you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, thanks for coming by, man. Yeah, I appreciate no it. It was fun. Yeah. That's Chef Stephen Watson from Commonwealth College talking about Ishka Day, the Indigenous pop-up coming up October 22nd to the 26th at the Cloakroom located at 492 Main Street. This is 680 CJOB.